Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Philemon, the book of Philemon. We're going to be in chapter three, Philemon chapter. I'm kidding. There's only one chapter. I figured y'all would catch that, but some of y'all are a little slow. Amen. Philemon, Philemon. We have a personal letter, a personal letter. Now we finished up, we finished up the book of Colossians last week. And I was kind of curious, well, what, which, which book do we need to go to next? But I think this would be a proper, uh, a proper letter to go to uh, after we have finished up Colossians. We talked about all the people that were listed there. That was the last lesson in Colossians. And this particular letter was carried. If y'all will remember, this is being sent by Tychicus. He is going to carry uh, Colossians and Ephesians and, and also this letter to Philemon. Philemon is one of the three personal letters that Paul sent to specific people that were, I'm I'm sure he probably sent uh, many letters to many people, but these three were anointed. These three were inspired. These three were ones that he wanted uh, read and studied in the churches. And so we have uh, Philemon, Titus, and Timothy, all right? So this is a specific letter, uh, and God is going to give us an illustration of forgiveness. Say that with me. Forgiveness. Say it again. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. There are a lot of teachings. There's a lot of verses dealing with it. Uh, There's a lot of picture illustrations in in God's word. But this is a real life situation that required forgiveness, and God's going to teach us on that tonight. And I'm glad to be here. I hope you're glad to be here Uh, sooner or later in life there's going to be a time that we're going to have to forgive somebody because we all live and work and and operate around people. And I don't know if y'all noticed this or not, but people are broken. Do I have a witness? And people have a tendency to mess up and whether they mean it or not, sometimes uh, they have a tendency to hurt one another. And God has given us an opportunity to be like him and offer forgiveness. And so that's what we want to talk about. All right. So look in Philemon chapter, (laughs) the only chapter one. All right. Verse number one, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy, our brother unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer and to our beloved Aphia and Archibus, our fellow soldier and to the church in thy house, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing, which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels or the heart, the the seat of your feelings, the, the heart of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Wherefore, now he begins to tell what the letter's for. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient or the right thing to do, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Whom I have sinned again, for thou therefore receive him. Say that with me. Receive him that is in mine own bowels. 
whom I have retained with me that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest, come on, thou shouldest receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it. Albeit, I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. But withal, prepare me also a lodging. For I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. There salute the Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit and all God's people say it. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the privilege of being in your house tonight. I am tickled to death to see those that are here that are ready to study, to grow, to learn, to be encouraged, to be examined, to be exhorted, Lord, to be challenged and convicted. I pray that you'll bless us all. Help us, Lord. Help us to practice what we preach. We don't want to just come in here and, 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 and get fat with knowledge and not go exercise and build our spiritual muscles and practice what we preach. I pray that your perfect will be done. Move in a great, great way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want to take a, just a few moments as, as way of introduction to give you a few things to kind of set the table. Uh, we find in this letter, a personal specific letter from the Apostle Paul to uh, Philemon, there's really no explanation about forgiveness or there is no uh, teaching doctrinally, if you will, about forgiveness. It's just an appeal to forgive. And we'll, we'll deal with that in just a minute. So Paul knows that Philemon knows that he should forgive. Are y'all with me? Say amen. He knows what he has taught Philemon. Philemon was a person that he met during his ministry in Ephesus. And during that time, he has instructed him and discipled him. And, and, and really, he knew he knew. So he did not go into that in the letter. But I'm not going to take for granted that everybody in this room knows what you need to know about forgiveness. So I want to kind of set the table and deal with it on a negative side. Uh, I believe, ha, ha, let's just start here. How many of you are glad tonight that you have been forgiven? How many of you are glad that someone in your lifetime that you have done wrong forgave you for that wrong? Let's say amen. amen. I appreciate forgiveness. I'm thanking God for forgiveness, especially his divine forgiveness. Uh, and, and I know I'm supposed to forgive. Without a doubt, God has commanded us to forgive. Uh, you remember when Peter came to Jesus thinking he was being super spiritual and said, uh, how often should we forgive? You know, uh, 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 three times, four times, seven times. 
uh, uh, he, and you know, and, they, and the, technically it was three times and, and, and the fourth you're, you're out, right? You get three strikes according to Jewish tradition. So he thought he was going way beyond, uh, the call of duty by saying seven times. And Jesus said, Oh no, 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 no. Seven times 70. In other words, unlimited, unlimited. So don't get your calculator out and see what that number is. And then you don't have to forgive. He's saying we should always forgive. And he gives the story. He gives the story of the, of the man who owed the king a great amount. Y'all remember that? And, and did not, and, and he was forgiven, but did not go and forgive. And it just turned out very bad for him. So, so we all know we are commanded to forgive. Now, can we agree on that? Can we agree? Everybody agree. We all should forgive. So, so we're going to, we're going to clear that right now. We all know that. But what about when we don't? What about when we don't? I want to give you just a few things as way of introduction on what happens when we don't forgive. What are the results of unforgiveness? And then we'll get into the letter. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Those who refuse to forgive are in blatant rebellion against God. Those who refuse to forgive are in blatant rebellion against God. Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted and what? Everybody and forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So those who refuse to forgive, Forgive are in blatant rebellion against God. Number two, those who refuse to forgive will not be forgiven. Those who refuse to forgive will not be forgiven. Now let me clarify this. Matthew 6, 14. But if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father Forgive your trespasses. Now, let me, let me help you understand something to make sure you're clear on what I'm saying here. This is not talking about salvation. All right. This is not talking about the forgiveness of salvation. It's talking about the forgiveness of sanctification. It is about the, 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 the ability for you to be in a right relationship with your father. Uh, when I got saved, I got saved all over. I got verily, 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 I say unto thee, I'm saved, saved. Amen. Truly, truly, I got all of it. I got saved, born again, sealed by the Holy Spirit, and I am saved. No matter what I do, I am saved. No matter where I go, I am saved. No matter what I say, I'm saved. But that doesn't mean I'm always in a right relationship with my father. Uh, I, it, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like this. Uh, when, when me and Tammy got married, she's my wife. Uh, and, and no matter what, she's my wife. I, and sometimes I may say something that may, or she may say something or whatever. We're not on good terms. Do I, do I have a witness, but we're still married, you know, until one of us says, Hey, listen, I'm sorry. And we confess that and we make that right. Uh, this, this forgiving that we're talking about right here is for you to be on good terms with your father. He's saying, listen, if you're not going to forgive the person that's done you wrong, then I'm not going to forgive you. So you can have a right walk with me and a right fellowship with me. If you can't fellowship this way, don't think you're going to be fellowshipping this way. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So if we refuse to forgive, we will not be forgiven. 
And that's going to affect our fellowship with God and our closeness and our communion with him. Number three, those who refuse to forgive lose the fellowship with other saints. It's going to affect our fellowship one with another. The story given in Matthew 18, when that, when that servant, that slave did not, uh, when he refused to forgive after he had been forgiven of a great debt, he refused to forgive somebody who had a small debt and his fellow servants were grieved and turned him in and went and told the king. I have seen this over and over and over again. I have seen where people's relationships one with another were strained and broken because of the bitterness that developed. And you'll see what I'm talking about later on between a person because they would not forgive somebody who had wounded them. It caused a friction between vertically and then it caused a friction horizontally. And we're going to lose, we're going to lose the fellowship because what happens is when you, somebody hurts you, wounds you, cuts you, and you don't forgive them, that cut doesn't, doesn't get healed and you bleed all over everybody. Number, number, number four, number four, those who refuse to forgive usurp the authority of God and get in his way. God may not can deal with a person that hurts you because you won't get out of his way. Romans 12, 19, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath for it is written. Watch this now. Vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Now, when you get in God's way and you try to hold a grudge and you refuse to forgive, you're saying you're God. You're saying God doesn't know what he's doing or can't handle the situation. You're going to deal with God says, no, no, that's not your place. That's not your place. You are to forgive. I'll deal with the vengeance. Somebody say, amen. Amen. Those who refuse to forgive, usurp the authority of God and get in his way. Number five, those who refuse to forgive are unfit for worship. Unfit for worship. Matthew 5, 23. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, you try to worship, you try to get close to God, you try to bring a praise offering to God, and there rememberest that thy brother hath all against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, then come offer thy gift. Don't come in here and sing praises if you got a grudge against somebody, because it's not getting past that ceiling. Because when we don't forgive, we're unfit for worship. Number six, those who refuse to forgive will suffer bitterness and all that follows it. Those who refuse to forgive will suffer bitterness and all that follows it. Hebrews twelve fifteen. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness. And by the way, it says root. Where The root is underground. That's why it's so dangerous. You can't see it. The person sitting beside you can be eat up with bitterness and you never see it on the outside till it begins to manifest itself. It is a scary thing. Bitterness has been said that it's like drinking poison, hoping the other person dies. Bitterness will kill the person who's been wounded, not the person that did the wounding. Number seven, those who refuse to forgive are imprisoned in their past. They will not break those chains. The only way to break the chains of your past is to forgive those who's wounded you. 
Those who refuse to forgive are in prison in their past. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but there's one thing I do. What's that next word? Come on now. Forgetting those things which are. Hey, you can't go forward if you keep looking back. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a reason that your windshield is this big and your rearview mirror is this big. Do I have a witness? Number, what number are we on? Eight, those who refuse to forgive are never healed of the wound. Those who refuse to forgive are never healed of the wound. In that story with that man who refused to forgive, Matthew 18, it says, And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now you say, where do you, what do you get from that? This man owed a debt so great. It was an impossibility to pay back the debt, even if he had a job. Are y'all with me? The debt was so great that he could not pay it back, even if he had a job or a rich uncle. But now he's sitting in prison until the debt is paid. So guess what that means? It'll never be paid. Whoever wounded you, the pain that you feel, the wound that you have, you will never heal that wound till you forgive them. Number nine. Number nine. Those who refuse to forgive always have the pain of the unhealed wound. Those who refuse to forgive always have the pain of the unhealed wound. And the bad part about it is now you have the ailments that the bitterness brings. In Matthew 18, 34, it says, and his Lord was wroth. Look, look what it says. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors. Now, what would tormentors look like in today's, in today's society, in today's culture? It would look like stress. It would look like depression. It would look like anger issues. It would look like an inability to trust. It would look like fatigue. It could look like heart disease, blood pressure issues. All of these are symptoms and manifestations of bitterness. All of these come from bitterness. Preacher, what are you saying? When you refuse to forgive, bitterness develops and out of bitterness comes all of these things that will torment you till you forgive. Tormentors. Number 10, those who refuse to forgive... Take out on others what the unforgiven person did. Those who refuse to forgive, take out on others what the unforgiven person did. Hebrews 12, before you flip, before you flip, I hear flipping papers. Wait a minute. Hebrews 12, 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Watch this now. This is intriguing. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you singular singular you and and if you if you have bitterness thereby many be what does that mean it means if you refuse to forgive you're going to have the root of bitterness and you're going to defile those around you you're going you're gonna to respond to those who are around you by what someone else did to you. 
Henry wounded you, but now you're taking it out on Johnny what Henry done to you. Because that wound is there. That pain is there. You're responding to the pain that's on the inside of you because of the wound somebody else. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now that's pretty depressing. That's a pretty depressing intro to any sermon. Say amen. But guess what? All of these are avoidable. And all it takes is the step of obedience to forgive the person that hurt you. When you forgive, God heals. I, look, what, look what William Arthur Ward put. He said, forgiveness is a funny thing. Forgiveness is a funny thing. It warms the heart and, and cools the sting. Here's the thing I found out. Here's the thing I found out. <clears throat> when I forgave the person that wounded me, I hear people say all the time, well, I can't forgive because I can't forget. Well, duh. You're not going to forget. You're not going to forget. Forgetting is not the answer. Healing is the answer. I can remember every single detail of the situation. I can remember every single word that was said. I can, I can remember every single feeling that I had. I can remember wanting to choke him down into the ground and rip his face off. I can remember all of that. But you know what? The difference between pre-forgiveness and post-forgiveness. Pre-forgiveness, I would think about it and boy, I'd feel it. I would see him and I would feel it coming and rising up in me. And the moment I obeyed God and said, God, I can't take this anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm letting it go. It's yours. Amen. Immediately. I didn't feel it anymore. It didn't bother me anymore. I didn't have that blood coming up into my earlobes anymore. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I mean, it was immediate. It was instant. God took it away. You know why? Because he supernaturally healed the wound that was created because I obeyed what he said. Are y'all with me? So I would suggest if you have a grudge, go ahead and forgive it because it's not a process. I heard people, well, I'm trying to forgive. No, you're not. You're not trying. It's a decision. It's a choice. God, it's a command. God didn't say work on forgiving somebody. He said, forgive them. I'm glad God didn't work on forgiving me. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. That's a good intro. Let's get to the chapter. Let's get to the chapter. First, let's talk about the characters in this letter. So we understand what's happening here. Obviously, we have the apostle Paul. What's the first word in the letter? Paul, okay? Now we know who wrote the letter. We know who wrote the letter, all right? He's in prison. He's in prison in Rome, all right? Now Philemon is in Colossae, all right? Say that with me. Philemon is in? Colossae. Paul is in Rome. Say it with me. Paul is in? Rome. All right, now, we see Onesimus. Onesimus, we find his name in verse 10. This is what the letter is about. Onesimus is a newly converted runaway slave who belong to Philemon. Now keep in mind, keep in mind that this is a, a, a slave culture. 
in the, in the, in the time of the writing of this letter, there was probably 60 million slaves in the Roman empire. One third of the population of the Roman empire was slaves. It was the culture they lived in. It was the society they lived in. It was the way it was in that particular day. And we'll talk about that some more at the end if we have time. But Onesimus is a slave that has run away from Philemon. Most likely, according to the letter, uh, he had stolen, you know, it's, it's really debatable with some, some Bible scholars, but some believe that he had stolen money to, to finance his trip to get away and get to Rome. And he thought he could get in Rome and mix in with the crowd and kind of disappear, but he run into Paul. All right. So Onesimus is a newly converted runaway slave from Philemon who Paul loved dearly. He had been with Paul and spent time with Paul and was serving Paul and ministering to Paul and helping Paul in the ministry. And man, he had shown to be the real deal and true repentance to the apostle Paul. And then we have Philemon. Philemon is who the letter is addressed to. He's a leader in the church at Colossae to the point that the church is actually meeting in Philemon's house. So most likely Philemon was a very wealthy person who had a house big enough to hold a congregation in it. And so he is a leader in the church at at Colossae. Uh, The church is meeting in his house. Then we have Aphia, most likely the wife of Philemon. Most likely the wife of Philemon. And then Archippus is possibly a son. We know he is another leader in the church at Colossae. Uh, probably the leader who is filling in for, uh, Epaphras while Epaphras is in Rome giving news to Paul. Now we just come out of Colossians. So these names should sound familiar to you, right? Epaphras, when all of the false teachers came into Colossae, Epaphras went to Paul in Rome to get help. How many of y'all remember that? Say amen. Okay. While he is there, then Archippus is back in Colossae filling in for Epaphras. Okay. Does that make sense? Amen. Some Bible scholars believe that, that Archippus is the son of Philemon and Aphia, but that's not a definite dogmatic point, but it's a great possibility. So we see the characters. Now everybody knows who we're talking about here. The the letter is from Paul, the apostle Paul to Philemon, who is in Colossae, who the church at Colossae is meeting in his house. So he's a very significant uh, character or figure in the church at Colossae. So are we all on the same page? Say amen. Amen. We know who the letter's from. We know who the letter's to. The letter is from Paul. The letter is to Philemon. And the letter is about a runaway slave named Onesimus. Onesimus, okay? Onesimus has run into Paul in Rome And Paul led Onesimus to Christ. And by the way, uh, Paul led Philemon to Christ too, while he was ministering in Ephesus. So, so man, Paul has basically led most all of these to Christ. uh, As far as that goes, Epaphras too. And, and so Philemon is a spiritual son of Paul. Now Onesimus, the runaway slave is a spiritual son of Paul who Paul has led to Christ in Rome. Now, with the basics down in the letter, are we ready to go forward? Say amen. Amen. Okay, so that is the characters involved. Number one, the characters involved. Number two, I want you to see the content. The content in this letter, the content included. We'll begin in in the greeting, Paul's address. Look at Paul's address. It says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy, our brother, 
Unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house, in thy house, okay? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we find Paul's address, the greeting in verses 1 and 2. Then we see the grace that he extends to him in verse number 3 in his greeting. And by the way, grace is the means of salvation and peace is the result of salvation. Say amen. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number 4. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers. Now we see Paul's appreciation. Write that down, Paul's appreciation. We see Paul's address, verses 1 through 3. We see Paul's appreciation, verses 4 through 7. He begins to brag, he begins to brag on, on Philemon. And it's legit. I don't think he's trying to manipulate him. I just think he's reminding him of what he really is and in, 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 in reminding Philemon of the character, the, the godly character that he, that he held. Verse four, I thank my God making mention of thee always in my prayer, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. So the first thing he says, I want to appreciate your love. And by the way, isn't that the way it's supposed to be? We're supposed to love God and others, right? And Philemon was a perfect example. Paul is saying that. He said, we hear it over and over again. I know it. I saw it. Paul saw it when he was in Ephesus. And he said, I'm hearing it from uh, the, the one who was there, Epaphras. And so he said, listen, Philemon, I know you have a love for God. And I know you have a love for other people. And I just want you to know, I appreciate that. And I am thankful for that. Man, I go to God, always in my prayers, thanking God for the love that you have. But not only Philemon's love, but his faith. Verse number six, that the communication of thy faith. The communication of thy faith. Now the word communication here is koinonia. It's the same word that's also translated in your Bible, fellowship or communion. What you have in common. He's saying the common faith. You have a faith, a fellowship. You have something in common with the people that you do love. The communication or the fellowship of your faith may become effectual, effectual. The word effectual means powerful or working. Now, let me kind of, let me just kind of say in, 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 in terms what Paul's trying to do right here. Basically he is laying it out and saying that I'm fixing to put your faith to the test. I'm fixing to put your faith to the test. I'm fixing to ask you to do something you may not want to do. I'm fixing to ask you something that may be hard to do. Now, let's take, let's take ourselves out of this story and put yourself in your story. I don't know about you, but depending on what the wound is or who did the wounding, sometimes forgiving is hard to do. Sometimes it takes a whole lot of faith to be able to let something go. Do I have a witness? And so what Paul is doing is saying, listen, you got what it takes. There's something inside of you. Look in the rest of this verse. He said, I want your faith to not just be a dead faith, but a working faith. That's what the word effectual means. A powerful working and energized by the acknowledging of every good thing, which is what? Come on now, which is guess what? If you're a child of God, you got in you what you need in you to do something that requires a lot of faith. I, I don't know if you really realize 
the magnitude of what I just told you. There is nothing that is required of you that God expects out of you that's not already in you. I've heard people say this and I've even thought it myself. I don't have in me to do it. Yes, you do. And this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying you have what it takes to do what I'm fixing to ask you to do. Sometimes we don't know it. Look what it says. Look what it says. Look what it says. Look what it says. By the acknowledging, you know, you need to acknowledge this. You need to know this. You need to be aware of this. Man, sometimes we have something in us that we don't even realize. We have a power in us that we don't even realize. How many of y'all, how many of y'all have ever watched that, uh, that, that movie, Facing the Giants? Isn't it Facing the Giants where that big boy put the, the kid on his back and, and did the crawl blindfolded? That's the same movie, right? Yeah, what was it? The death crawl? It would have killed me too. I ain't going to lie. But what was he trying to get him to realize? He had something in him he didn't think he had. He said, now don't quit till you can't do it. No, y'all, y'all seen it. I don't have to rehash it. Went all the way across. And you know what? What Paul is saying is, Philemon, before I even ask you to do what I'm fixing to ask you to do, I need you to acknowledge the fact and know that you got what it takes. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? All you do too. All you do too. When we were going through that first page, you were getting discouraged because maybe there's something in your life, an incident that happened to you that you're still holding on to that's still painful to you. And you're thinking, I just can't do this. That's a lie from the devil. You have it in you. You just got to recognize it. And that's what Paul is saying. He said, acknowledge that good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So he's recognizing and he's appreciating his love and his faith and his service. Look what he says in verse 7. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels, the hearts of the saints are refreshed by thee. He's saying, man, we appreciate you serving. There's just something about Philemon that was just a blessing to all of those around him. And so he's really, he's really, I can't help but think, I can't help but think reading this over and over again. In these few verses, he's, he's really setting him up. He's really setting him up. He said, man, do you love people and you love the Lord. And boy, I tell you what, the faith that I've seen in you has been incredible. And I ain't going to lie. When people see you coming, they can't do nothing but smile. He says, you refresh their hearts. You do something for them. You encourage them. You're such an encouragement, Philemon. Man, you're a blessing. By the way, Amen. Amen. Well, you don't believe me. Look at the first word of verse eight. Come on. I I can't even hear him here in Coleman. So Fairview, y'all going to have to help me say it where I can hear you guys. All right. Y'all ready? First word in verse number eight. In other words, because of your love and that great faith that I know is in you. And man, you're such a blessing. You're such an encouragement to all those around you. Wherefore, watch now. Though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee, 
that which is convenient. In other words, verse 8 is saying this. Now, I have a right as an apostle to command you to do this. I have apostolic authority to command you to do what I'm fixing to ask you. He said, but I ain't going to do it. Now, let's keep in mind, let's talk about Philemon's most likely, if he's got an adult son who's leading in the church, most likely uh, Philemon is an elder. So he's up in age. But Paul is up in age too. Paul is around 60, maybe a little over 60 years old. And you say, well, that's, that's the new 30. <laughs> the older I get, it is. Amen. <laughs> but at that time, man, the, 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 the living, the ex, what is it? The, what do you call that? Life expectancy was very low. So Paul had, Paul had, and not only, not only was Paul an aged man, and Paul says that here, it, he, he, he had put five lifetimes in that one life of his. How many of y'all have ever seen people maybe you went to school with and they were the same age as you, but they looked three times older because of the life they lived? Well, that's the apostle Paul. Man, he's been through shipwreck. He's been through a wreck. He's been beaten with rods and stone with stones. And man, he's like they say about them horses, you've gotten rode hard and put up wet. So many, it's just life had been rough to Paul. And here we have an elder statesman and an elder in the church talking to one another. And Paul says, I don't, I don't want to talk to you as an apostle. I don't want to command you and use the apostolic authority that I have. You know why? Because Paul loved Philemon. Paul loved Philemon. And Philemon loved Paul. And they were friends. They were brothers in Christ. And Paul is saying, I don't want to come at you with apostolic authority. I don't want to command you to do. And he says what's convenient. The word convenient means proper to do the right thing. He said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to command you to do the right thing. I'm going to appeal to you by love. I want to appeal to my love for you, your love for the Lord and others. I want to appeal by love. And there's a reason. And I might be getting ahead of myself, but I'm just going to roll with it. All right. If he commanded him and used apostolic authority, he says it in this chapter. He says that would be by persuasion. He says, I want you to do it voluntary. I want you to volunteer, volunteer to do this. I want you because you will get credit. You will get rewarded for this. If I have to make you, there's not going to be a reward. But if you do this voluntarily, are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Can y'all see? Now imagine this. Put yourself, use your imagination as you study the Bible. Here we have an elder, an elder leader in the church. We have an elder statesman, apostle, who, who, who dearly loves Onesimus and dearly loves Philemon. And he's fixing to give an appeal. So first we have Paul's appreciation. We have Paul addressing uh, the person and now we see his appeal. He's fixing to ask him and beg him to do something that he knows. He knows is going to be difficult to do. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Y'all ready to go forward? Paul's appeal, Paul's appeal. Before he actually comes out and asks, he begins to give reasons for his appeal, reasons for his appeal. Uh, Brother Travis, can you grab one of those tissues right there? If you don't care, right there on the corner. 
uh, he gives, he gives reasons for his appeal. Verse number eight, let's all read. Let's all read verse number eight. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoy, enjoin these, that which, thank you, sir, that which is convenient yet for, say it with me, yet for love's sake, I rather beseech ye. So he appeals by reason of Philemon's love. He's appealing to his love. Being such a one as Paul the age. Secondly, he's appealing according to Paul's age and condition. What is he saying? He's reminding him, hey man, I'm an old man. I've been, I've been, I've had a rough life. Not only am I aged and have a lot of age on my age, but I'm also a a prisoner. Now, now think about this. What Paul is doing here is reminding him how hard he's got it. So basically what he's doing is saying, look, if I can be old and beat up and still serve God and do the right thing in the prison, I think you can forgive this man. Y'all see what's happening here? So he's appealing to him. He's giving him reasons. He's giving him motivation, if you will giving him reasons to do what he's fixing to ask him to do. He still haven't even asked him what he's going to do yet. All right. So he appeals to Philemon's love in verses eight and nine, Paul's aging condition in verse nine. But then he talks about Onesimus conversion, verse 30, or excuse me, verse 10. I beseech thee for my son, for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. In other words, in other words, he's saying he's gotten saved. I've been able to lead him to Christ, just like he calls Timothy his son in the faith. Uh, he has been able to lead him to Christ. He's saved now. He's not the criminal that left. He's not the thief that you remember. He's saved now. He's, he's converted now. He's a changed man now. All right? He appeals by the means of Onesimus' conversion, verse 10. Also, verses 13. Through 14, Philemon's benefit if done voluntarily. Watch what he says. Watch what he says. Verse 13, whom I would have retained with me that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind, without thy mind would I do nothing that thy, come on, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. In other words, I want you to do this so you can get reward for it. I don't want you to do it because you have to do it. I don't want you to do it because I'm commanding you to do it. I want you to do it because you love Onesimus and you love the Lord and you want to be obedient to the commands that the Lord gives us so you can have a reward for what? Amen. Say, preacher, I'm going to give my tithes, but I ain't real happy about it. Well, if you want to get a reward for it, you need to change your attitude. What kind of giver does God love? What, how, does, how, does, how does he want us to serve him, serve the Lord with gladness? Hello? That might be why you're not getting what you're doing, because you've got an attitude about it. Amen. Preach, preach. That's good. Preach. Plow right there. Amen. I bring my own shout. Hallelujah. He's appealing to Philemon's. He said, look, man, this is going to benefit you. If you do it voluntarily, it's going to be a blessing to you. 
It's going to be an encouragement to you. But then he's appealing by God's providence. Verse 15. He said, maybe. He said, I don't know. He said, I don't know why this happened, but maybe. Verse, verse 15. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him for ever. Not now as a servant. And, and keep in mind the word servant here doesn't mean like a paid servant. It's the word doulos. It means slave. Not now as a servant, but above a servant. A brother, beloved. Especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and now in the Lord. He's not just going to return to you as someone who is a benefit to you. But man, he's going to return to you as a brother in Christ. Maybe God allowed this to happen, Philemon. Maybe you had to go through the difficulty you went through. I don't know, I don't know what kind of stress it put on Philemon or, or his business or whatever it might have been. I don't know what was stolen or taken. I don't know what kind of aggravation that he had to deal with or, or suffering that he had to do with all of the culture and what he had to deal with. But he said, man, maybe God did this so you could have a brother in Christ. Maybe this little bit of inconvenience that you went through was so somebody could make it to heaven forever and ever. Say amen. amen. So he's appealing, to, he's appealing to God's providence. He said, man, God had his hand in this deal. It's not an accident. It's not an accident that Onesimus made it my way and that I was able to meet him. <clears throat> so we see the reason for his appeal. He's given him reasons. Now let's look at the request. Now let's look at what Paul is asking him to do. Verse number 12. Verse number 12. If you'll look in, in my Bible, I, I, I highlighted, I highlighted the, the chapter and I, I, I put in a different color the word receive. Three different times you see the word receive. Over and over and over he kept saying receive him, receive him, receive him. He says, and let's go back to verse 10. Let's go back to verse 10. I beseech thee, I beg you, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, this newly converted runaway slave, whom I begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again, Paul is sending him back to make things right, to straighten things out. Whom I have sent again, that thou therefore, help me, receive. receive. Thou therefore, receive. receive him. That is, he said, I'm sending my own heart. Man, Onesimus is so close to me, Paul says. That's like I'm sending my own heart to you. He said, I would have kept him with me, verse, verse 13. I would have kept him with me. He was such a benefit to me and such a blessing to me. But I know to do the right thing, I wanted to repair the relationship between you and him, basically is what he's saying. <clears throat> Verse number 17. Verse number 17. He says, if thou count me therefore a partner. What's that next word? Receive, Receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee. If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. 
You reckon Paul was serious about this deal? Amen. Here's what he requested. First, a reception. I don't know if I took them words out. They may still, they're still printed. Reception. Say it with me. He said, I want you to receive him back. Basically, I want you to forgive him. I want you to forgive him and take him back. I want you to receive him. The word receive here in this text means to accept. Accept him. Reception needed. Then B, the restoration desired. He said, I want you to restore him back to his place. Not just as a servant, as a slave, but as a brother. I want you to receive him as a brother. Because that's exactly what he is. Um, can you imagine, can you imagine word gets around, word gets around in that community of Colossae. Uh, if a slave was to run away, they would report it to the authorities and then they would be trackers and all kind of crazy stuff. And word would get around, word would get around, probably how much he stole, whatever it was that he stole. And, and so that would be, a, that would be a, I mean, it would be like on the most wanted. If you'd go to the post office, their, their Onesimus' picture would be in all the crimes listed that he would have been guilty of. And, and now Paul is sending him back and saying, listen, he's not a criminal anymore. He's not a criminal anymore. God's changed his life. I don't want you to treat him like a criminal. I don't want you, I don't want, now Paul is not saying that he, he doesn't have a responsibility to serve and fulfill his responsibility of his position, but he's saying, I want you to treat him now as a brother. And by the way, if y'all remember back in the letter of, of Colossians, we, we, we studied this out too. Y'all remember? We talked about husbands. We talked about wives. We talked about children, and we talked about employers and employees. Y'all remember that? And what did God say to the employers? Be careful how you treat those below you because you got somebody above you. And that's what Paul is reminding him right here. We know there is receiving that needs to happen. We know there is restoration that needs to happen. But Paul is not discounting this. Also, there is restitution offered. Paul says, I know there was something taken. And most likely, most likely... Uh, Onesimus don't have it anymore. Paul wouldn't have offered to pay for it if Onesimus had the ability to restore what he had taken. So he probably, because it doesn't say that he was employed in Rome, he was there helping and, and serving Paul. Paul has the ability and the resources to be able to take care of it. So Paul is not taking away what is a rightful thing to do. Preacher, what are you saying? I think if we wounded somebody, we need to do everything we can to, to rest, deal with restitution and fix what we messed up. Amen. I need a witness. Amen. So all of that goes together. All of that goes together. So he said there needs to be receiving, restoration, and restitution. Paul says, I tell you what, put that on my account. He even goes as far as to say, I'm writing this with my own hand. I want you to know this is coming from me. A lot of times a letter would be, would be written by an assistant or a secretary or, or an, a person that would do that for him and then they would just sign their name. But Paul is saying, I'm writing this. I want you to know this is legit. I will pay with mine own. Are y'all with me? 
Put that on my account. He says in, if, in verse number 18, if he has wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will, say it with me, repay it. Now, let's look at the conclusion implied. Let's do it hurry because we run out of time. The conclusion implied. <clears throat> now, Paul has, Paul has bragged on him. Paul has appealed to him. He's bragged on his love. He's bragged on his faith. He's, he's bragged on his service. And, and, and the, he's such an encouragement to all those he's around. He, now he's appealed to him. He said, listen, Onesimus is a born again believer now. He's a changed man. He's not the one. He's not a, he's not a thief that left before. He's coming back a different man. He has been a blessing to me. He's like my own son. I love him with all my heart. When I send him to you, it's like I'm sending my heart to you. He has been here and serving me in your stead. You know, people love to be an encouragement to God's men. And I know that Philemon loved Paul enough that if it would have been possible, Philemon would have been there serving Paul and being a blessing to Paul. But Paul said, hey, Onesimus has been here in your place. He's, that's what he's telling us. And man, he has been a blessing and encouragement. And so he's done all of this. He said, but you need to receive him. You need to do the right thing. He uses the word convenient in your King James Bible. That means proper. It means the right thing. The right thing is to take him back. The right thing is to receive him, not as a slave, but to receive him as a brother. Say it with me. To receive him as a Brother. Because it's going to be real important when Philemon comes back, Philemon is going to be holding this letter. He's going to be walking with Tychicus, who's got Colossians and Ephesians also. And they're going to have to go to church together. Did y'all catch that? You're going to have to go to church together. So now we're going to look at the, we're going to look at the conclusion of this deal. Watch this. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six things we can take from this in the last few verses. Paul says, I'm going to pay it. Don't worry. I'll pay it. Whatever he owes, I'll pay it. But, but, albeit, I love how he words this. I do not say to thee how thou owest me, even thine own self. Besides, I'm thinking, well, you just said I don't say it, but you just said it. You see what he did? He just threw that in there. He said, I'll pay the debt. Whatever he owes, I'll pay the debt. But Philemon, you owe a debt too. Y'all with me? Now see, Philemon, you owe a debt you can never pay back. Because it was Paul who was able to bring salvation to Philemon in his house. It was Paul who led Philemon to the Lord and, and, and listen and taught him about Christ and how to be saved. And even though, even though Onesimus owed a, a material thing, a material debt, Philemon owed Paul a spiritual debt. Uh, Onesimus owed Philemon a temporal debt. Philemon owed Paul an eternal debt. 
So remember what we learned in Colossians? Be careful how you treat the ones below you because you got somebody. Be careful about not forgiving a debt someone owes you because you were forgiven a debt you could not pay. We always need to remember that. And by the way, we all, if you're saved, you've got a serious debt. I, I mean, I love the song when you sing when I was growing up. I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. Amen? So he's reminding them, look, man. So A, Philemon owed a debt too. Verse 20, look what it says. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels, refresh my heart, be a blessing to me. He's saying, man, this is an opportunity for you to be a blessing to me. This is an opportunity for him to be a blessing to Paul. You know, we always, we always say to people, man, what can I do for you? Don't we? What can I do for you? And I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Philemon, over the years of ministry and knowing Paul, he's probably told him over and over, hey, what can I do for you? Paul would probably say, like most of us, just pray for me. Hey, just pray. But now he's saying, hey, this is what you can do for me. Do it as if it's me. Treat him as if it was me. That's what he's saying. Amen. We learn that this was an opportunity to be a blessing to Paul. Verse 20. Verse 21. Having confidence in thy, what's that word? Obedience. I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. He said, you know what? I really believe you're going to do even more what I ask. Not only is Philemon owed a debt too, but this was an opportunity to be a blessing to Paul. But see, obedience was expected. Obedience was expected. By the way, God expects us to forgive too. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. D, I love this part. I laugh. Oh, by the way, verse 22 but with all, prepare me also a lodging. I'm going to come see if you did it. <laughs> Accountability was very important. That's what that means. He said, I'm going to show up. How, how, how's Philemon not going to forgive him now? Paul's going to come. Accountability. Maybe you haven't been able to forgive whoever hurts you because you don't have any accountability. Maybe you need to talk to somebody. Paul said, now fix me someplace to lay down because I'm going to come see you. I'm going to come check on you guys. Accountability was important. E, verse 23. Now he brings in other people. There salute the Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. You know what Paul is saying there? Forgiveness is critical to fellowship. Forgiveness is critical to fellowship. Let's, let's face it, guys. Everybody, everybody. Sooner or later, if you're around enough people enough times, you're going to get hurt. It irritates the dog out of me when people wear their feelings on their shoulder and leave church and say, well, I was offended. 
Well, bless your heart. <laughs> so, I, I can't understand the level of perfection that we expect out of each other. But the level of forgiveness we want shown to us. Well, I tell you what, nobody showed up to my party. How many parties did you go to? Preacher, you don't never call me. It, it works both ways. Well, nobody came and saw me. I'm here every Sunday. I didn't go nowhere. It's amazing. You can go to a bar and get in a knockdown, drag out, knock each other's teeth out, and the next Friday they're buying each other drinks. But church people hold grudges against people for generations. Listen, forgiveness is critical to fellowship. The greatest ingredient to a great marriage is not love, it's forgiveness. You need to, before you get married, you need to go into that thing with both eyes wide open. And when you get married, shut one of them. Amen. A great marriage is made of two forgivers. Two forgivers. Lastly, lastly, say it with me. Say E with me because we need to get that. Say it with me. Everybody say it. F. Grace is the necessary element for forgiveness to take place. Look what he says in verse 25. The grace. He's speaking to Philemon. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. What? Amen. Now look at me, everybody. Look at me. Paul finishes everything with this. I know what I ask is hard, but God's grace is sufficient. And I'm going to pray that God will give you the grace to look Philemon in the eye, or excuse me, Onesimus in the eye and say, brother, you're forgiven. Let's serve God. Let's go forward. Let's forgive those things which are behind and press forward. Let's quit looking back. Let's look forward. Remember that whole front page. That whole front page is full of devastating things that will take place if we don't forgive. And Paul reminded us, you got what it takes. It's in you. If you're saved, if you're a child of God, everything that you need to be what God wants you to be is in you. And all God's people say it.